The Q Affair While some similarities to living people may exist in your mind on reading this novel, it is a work of fiction, so it's your problem if you have people like this in your life. Chapter 3 Like Ray in his expose videos, Gerald Cross expounded the virtues of Q often on Alec Johnson's show, helping viewers decode each drop. These posts weren't easy to interpret. Some of them made obscure and cryptic references, and the short clipped sentences seemed to be filled with abbreviations for political terms or people's names that required something in the know to help the viewer to interpret them. Gerald Cross, a PhD in political science from Harvard, seemed eminently qualified with his extensive knowledge of politics, making him a perfect expert guest on InfoPill's political analysis slots. And the posts themselves, with their smatterings of what looked like military communication styles, featuring dashes and square brackets known by Q fans as kill boxes, I later discovered, as well as links taking the reader to other political articles on the internet, were scrutinised by Gerald and Alec, with frequent interruptions from excitable Alec of the rather hamster-faced but ever-placid Gerald, perhaps used to keeping his cool, as it was said he had been a spy for hire by many, as well as a political analyst who had authored many books on the workings of the deep state. Although I found Gerald's gerbil-like scratching about in the cue posts slightly dull, I did watch a lot of those shows for the other, more general content, and at one stage watched almost nothing else about American politics before I ventured finally into other Patriot channels and got hooked by a few, including Desiree's small channel. American politics was clearly something of a battlefield, and if Johnson's coverage of events, such as the Berkeley riots of 2017 in California, were anything to go on, the hostility felt towards their president, Donald Trump, post-election, had escalated to the point of running battles being fought on the streets between left and right factions, or fascists versus commies, as those involved in the running street battles like to respectively label one another. Mainstream media covered these events as well, of course, although their perspective was quite different. They chose to represent the Trump support base that attended these protests as card-carrying Nazis, and the other faction as peace-loving supporters of freedom and open borders for economically deprived people, entirely ignoring the George Soros-funded Antifa wing, which swelled the ranks at marches identifiable by their trendy black bandanas and matching duds which hid their faces while they went to battle with Trump-supporting veterans clad in odd assortments of makeshift shields and helmets, often with goggles to boot as protection against mace attacks when they faced the foe mano a mano. I used to go for occasional walks that autumn along a quiet and windy beach, a favourite spot. Getting heat back into myself while having a free read of English Sunday newspapers afterwards in a nearby cafe over tea and a slice of cake, I was shocked at the audacity of the lie the newspapers told about the civil unrest taking place, epitomised by the ongoing riots which were breaking out sporadically 
which many in the media, both mainstream and alternative, maintained would erupt into what could be considered essentially a civil war. I had followed those events closer than your average Sunday paper reader on YouTube, briefly supplementing my info pill viewing in my search for more dramatic footage of the ongoing riots and protests. Antifa were entirely expunged from the photos and news columns. Yes, while we're here, I must admit, in the spirit of honesty, that I have a streak in me that adores violence as a spectator sport. Usually heavyweights slugging it out, muscles ripping, rippling thrillingly in a way that at least some of you female readers might be able to relate to. I like watching cavemen go at it, and it's not as fine a sight to see a woman hit by a man but I did enjoy watching over and over the short clips of footage of a young female college student sporting dreadlocks, plus the Antifa uniform de rigueur in black, getting punched between the eyes when attempting to throw Molotov cocktails, gleefully casting her wine bottle empties into the midst of the Trump supporters. She was from a well-off family, it emerged later, when footage was uploaded to YouTube and independent researchers got to work. And she ran a wine bar on the side for fun while her folks put her through college. I laughed myself silly at that punch since I felt it was her due. And as a black belt in Taekwondo or ex-black belt, since I'm a bit long in the tooth, although not nearly so long as Desiree, I know for a fact that the guy that punched her square in the forehead was showing mercy by pulling his punch a fair bit more than she possibly deserved. That story got coverage on NBC News too, where butter wouldn't melt in the young lady's mouth. And she was allowed to present herself as an innocent victim of Nazi bullies, confused as to why any big brute would possibly want to punch a mere girlish thing like herself. She became something more of a laughing stock among truthers when it emerged that one of her ways of supplementing her income to provide extra college pocket money to keep herself well stocked up with her favourite wine bottles was to flaunt her unshaven bits and pieces about on the internet, on a site where she could also be contacted for more private viewings, should anyone wish to examine her dreadlocks or other hirsute parts up close. Apparently, although her logic escaped me somewhat, this was to demonstrate that she wasn't oppressed by her own body. This generated many memed images of her on the internet, including my favourite, one of her own nude, nude shots featuring filthy locks, as she quickly came to be known by the alt-writers, where she appeared with her backside out to the camera lens and someone had pasted the words, sort yourself out over the naughty bits. Many patriots expressed sympathy for her though as they had also discovered a pre-Berkeley college socialist feminism as a political discourse course image of her on the interwebs, minus the dreadlocks and knowing sneer, looking just like the sort of clean-cut, pretty American blonde you would want to take home to meet your mama. The riots brought up all sorts of issues in politics, not least among the new subjects it introduced into my consciousness, was the filthy locks related phenomenon of third wave, wave feminism, which briefly summed up, and forgive me if I'm a little biased here, seems to consist mostly of thinking all men are potential rapists and not to be trusted. 
Even Camille Paglia, one of the giant elder lemons of feminism, expressed her disdain of this new type of female that flourish in left-wing campuses, like weeds sprouting up as soon as the weather gets mild. Anyhow, I digress, as Desiree would say, after being on a ramble. The point is that protests often turned into outright riots, or worse, tragedies, where people were injured, being beaten or stabbed, and one unfortunate person was run over by a car. Into this turbulent arena stepped Q and Gerald Cross, the decoder of the enigmatic Q clearance patriots, drops. Cross cut his cloth to suit Alex's show, it seemed, as the discussion of the individual posts was sometimes almost totally ignored in favour of talking up the intriguing aspects of who Q was. Here is a person or persons with a high security clearance level who is privy to all the goings on inside President Trump's administration. And it was fascinating to see the undercover shenanigans exposed to the general public via the drops. Patriots, Johnson pointed out, should put their support behind Q as he, she or they were supporting the president as he fought the swamp beasts of the deep state, literal demons, he often pointed out, who we must not let win the fight for our very souls. Cross hardly got a word in edgeways, with Johnson often almost losing the little he had left of his voice, ranting on in the quickfire manner we infopill viewers loved sweating profusely as he got more and more animated. I wondered sometimes if Desiree modelled her often rather emotional and animated style on his, or whether she was that excitable herself when not on video. He made for a better model than Cross, hardly an example of vitality at 70-something years old, with the sleepy air of a man who downed a few bottles of red wine at long lunches frequently though I wouldn't have cared to be his dinner companion, such was his ability to switch my brain off once he started speaking. Despite his clear and slightly British diction, and I often skipped ahead in the video clip to the next segment out of boredom, hoping for a more interesting topic or guest to appear. I did, however, pick up bits and pieces of information about Q during this time from Desiree's Truth Fleet, as well, where she spoke about Q in a more entertaining way, peppering her talk of posts with news of the latest insights from her favourite expositor, Colonel Ray Peters. Cross seemed to be someone she admired as well, perhaps the tweedy-jacketed, fatherly and authoritative impression he exuded reminded her of her own father from the days she fondly remembered when she was entrancing the nuns as little Desiree de la Lune. Ray, like Alec Johnson, boasted of contacts. His were military, insiders who were able to give him further insights into Q posts and their meanings. Desiree hung on his every word, it seemed, and although I watched several of his videos around that time, they're focused on the post's meanings. There are overt and more or less ambiguous meanings, with discussions of the political figures in Trump's administration and the machinations of the characters I was unfamiliar with in government circles. 
were a discouragement from watching closely as I was out of my depth quickly when I made an effort to follow his arguments. What I would have liked for my own better understanding of American politics was an overview of the political situation in the US as it affected the global situation, rather than an insight into the minutiae of daily life on Capitol Hill. The parade of names of politicians and political posts confused me. I felt there was no hope of being able to understand the individual events as they unfolded if I could not even grasp the basic structures of the American political scene or recognize the characters on the stage where the play was being acted out. I did gather from both Desire and Ray and from Alec Johnson that Q had his finger on the political pulse in Washington to the extent that he would be aware of events that had not yet happened but were in progress and was letting us know in advance, in coded language, what the outcomes to be expected were if the Post's messages were decoded. Cryptic sayings like, future proves past, would crop up again during the course of the next year and a half of Q-drops, and seem to suggest that if we didn't know what Q meant exactly now, then all would be clear later on. He couldn't just tell us straight out, you see, because that would jeopardize the whole operation. Hence, the decoding of the short statements that sometimes came in question form or linked to news clips online or were a short, ambiguous sentence about something you had to decode for yourself or with help from one of the decoder channels springing up on the truther part of YouTube. Much debate was generated by the posts, as was evidence in Peter's livestream chat area, where the chat scrolled by briskly as people comparing their view of the posts' meanings, all the time with Ray standing authoritatively in front of his map in his khaki florals or jazzy ties with bomber jacket, giving his views on the posts and the possible moves Trump was currently making daily and setting in motion to put into effect a little further in the future, as Q suggested, with the ultimate aim being to bring down the New World Order cabal. Christians of all persuasions abounded in Ray's chat, and between my lack of knowledge of what Colonel Ray Peters was on about since the decoding of drops included the use of American gematria, something I'd never heard of, all the way over in Ireland. And what with my lack of understanding of the religious views of the variety of religious persuasions that people in the chat adhered to, with little spats arising centering around issues such as the true name of God, whether it should be Jesus or Yeshua, it all discouraged me further from viewing Colonel Ray Peter's expose. Other channels were cropping up more and more too, discussing the Q intel drops attempting to enlighten viewers as to their possible meanings. Desiree's videos were by far the more appealing. Entertainment has always been high on my personal agenda, unless I had to actually produce a piece of research at the end of my investigations for a research assignment or something needing to be handed in by a deadline, and I hadn't had to in quite a while. So I indulged myself on Desiree's channel, enjoying her flexible approach to topics which avoided the rigours of legitimate research like the plague. Desiree's morbidly rotund figure and endearing slight lisp 
caused by the long tooth and the lower jaw, which her tongue had to work hard not to get caught up on, became a much looked forward to nightly treat for me. I became familiar with her habits quickly. The boiling of the coffee pot to make what she called cowboy coffee was matched by my putting on my kettle at home, and my knitting was sure to come out at between 8pm and 8.30 while she broadcasted her live streams to the world. Now, I always like true stories because I notice they are more interesting in their details than the made-up ones. And Desire had a very interesting story to tell overall, although she often went all around the bushes on the way to telling it. Her show that autumn made me think of previous years when winter approached and I would seek out books of true adventures to pass the evenings on front of my fire while the rain beat down outside to luxuriate in the warmth while simultaneously travelling in my mind's eye with the brave Captain Scott and his loyal companions to freeze in the snows of Antarctica. There is something in every human being that loves drama and we seek it out when it is not a painful presence in our own immediate timeline and we seek peace then instead. Whether reading a book of Daring Do or watching a YouTuber investigate a conspiracy theory, we can enjoy the dramatic unfolding the story has to offer as it takes us on an imaginative adventure from the comfort of our own home while we are ensconced cosily by our own fire with cat knitting or book in lap, snacks at the ready and tea on the table. Why not? Desiree was a wonderful raconteur with lots of strange stories to tell, not least of these, in fact, her main theme, around which every other motif was woven, was the story of the unsolved murder which dominated her life, the murder of her own daughter.